0: Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. improves children's health by developing better treatments and technologies. As one of the top children's hospitals in the nation, we take on the most complex, rare, and life-threatening conditions because all children deserve a healthy future. And with our new pediatric focus research and innovation campus opening this spring, we'll be able to generate and share even more discoveries. Learn more at childrensnational.org innovation. guys, welcome. It's time for this week's very excellent episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast.
1: You know guys, I usually do not watch replays of Formula 1 races, but the 2019 Brazilian Grand Prix was a rare exception. And it was a rare exception for Formula 1 as well, to deliver such a mighty race.
0: And Kunal, we had such a different, such a unique podium actually. So there was no Ferrari and there was no Mercedes on the podium. Guys, this was the first time since 2014 that that happened.
1: And, wow. and I'm very sure all of you know this stat by now. But you know, the 2019 Brazilian Grand Prix is one of those races which you could keep talking about for the next 10 years. And people will still listen. It will be a race that will be remembered in the time to come. It will be a race that you, you know, won't think that, oh my God, can we stop talking about this race? You know, just like we have that, oh, that's Glock moment, you know, also from the Brazilian Grand Prix. But I must tell you, the Brazilian Grand Prix this year actually reminded me of how Formula One races are, you know, blockbuster entertainment.
0: Okay, Kunal, that's a very good and a very sneaky plug.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, we have a very special guest on the show. His name is Jerome D'Ambrosio, former Formula One driver and Mahindra Racing's Formula E driver this season.
0: Yeah, and guys, I know we are a Formula One podcast, and actually, a few of y'all have written to us saying that y'all don't like it when we talk about other series, very possessive about Formula One.
1: In which case, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Motorsport podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and actually, Jerome is a former Formula One driver. So guys, I think he anyway qualifies, right?
1: Yes. We don't need to
0: change the name of the podcast. We don't, yeah,
1: Yeah, thankfully. All those creatives and stuff and all the approvals (gasps) from our sponsors. Thank God
0: he snuck in that one season (laughs) with Marusha.
1: (laughs) Yes, so for those who are still not convinced, you know, we will still speak a bit of Formula One just to please you guys. And of course, we will talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, so you know, this week, and not just in this week's episode, we're going to talk about the crazy, the insane, the amazing Brazilian Grand Prix. And you know, guys, I have to share this with y'all. So Kunal has sent the highlights of the Brazilian Grand Prix to at least like 300 people, literally.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's one thing you all should do that as well. I mean, I don't know 300 people to send this to. <laughs> you know 300,000 people. But the point is, you know, the Brazilian Grand Prix was the perfect example and perfect advertisement of what a Formula One race should be. And I don't think a lot of other motorsport series would even stand a chance against formula one if formula one was able to deliver such blockbuster on track action but coming to those 300 people that you know i forwarded the race highlights to i think you guys should all do that as well i mean let's face it we have friends family sometimes colleagues and you know everyone else in our circles guys who are guys and girls who are sitting on the fence you know probably we like formula one probably we don't The Brazilian Grand Prix is definitely one of those races to use to get those people on our side of the fence.
0: Actually, and I think the the boring French Grand Prix, you know, you remember that one. It seems like it was like a few gazillion years ago. Because every (laughs) single race after that has just been so worth watching. Very exciting stuff.
1: Yes, and to all those 300 people that each one of you will forward, you know, the highlights of the race to, I'm going to go back to that point you can also forward our subscribe link to the Inside Line F1 podcast, you know, on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify and (laughs) all other places. We are always about building our listener base.
0: Kunal, this feels like one of those dodgy pyramid schemes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, if this is what the Formula One 2021 rules can offer, I say let's skip there immediately, you know, like just skip 2020 altogether. You know,
1: apart from the non-Ferrari, non-Mercedes podium, I think the one thing that we all have collectively celebrated in the last few days is seeing a McLaren on the podium. Of course, we didn't really see them on the podium, but the fact that they scored a podium, who would have actually thought of that happening this season?
0: Yeah, and I hope Mercedes, uh, they're not already reconsidering their decision to supply Mercedes engines to McLaren.
1: (laughs) No, I really hope maybe it was good in a way that Toto wasn't there to feel that, uh, you know, in Brazil. But, uh, you know, after seeing Pierre Gasly's Honda-powered Toro Rosso out-drag Hamilton's Mercedes-powered Mercedes, you know, McLaren must really be wondering if they created a monster in Honda and literally set it free at the wrong time. And uh, I can tell you that almost no one would have thought that Pierre Gasly would win that drag race. And to me, this is classic motorsport. I I had goosebumps all over.
0: It was absolutely 11 laps of madness and I think the last time we had a drag race of this sort was uh, Valtteri Bottas and Lance Stroll uh, in Baku Yes, and uh, Stroll was beaten to the line but Bottas of course had a slipstream from uh, Stroll during that race. I'm getting very excited talking about it. (laughs) So the situation was a bit different.
1: Yes, so before we get to Jerome on the show, here's a quick few words on McLaren and that's Probably the be-all and end-all of all the Formula 1 talk on our show tonight. We will switch to Formula E, right? Zac Brown's smartest statement till date was when he refused point-blank when he was asked if, you know, Fernando Alonso would be back in Formula 1. With McLaren.
0: And as much as I'd love to see Fernando Alonso back in Formula One, Kunal, I really love what Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz are doing for McLaren.
1: And for each other. I think I saw an Instagram story just a couple of hours before entering the studio for this show where Carlos Sainz was cutting Lando Norris's hair or something like that. (laughs) You know, I think those guys are absolutely. Bonkers,
0: yeah, I think Ron Dennis must be wondering what's become of his team. I mean, can you imagine McLaren's corporate guidelines permitting something like this?
1: No, I mean, the corporate guidelines would have been very clear. You have to go to this specific hairdresser in walking and then ask him for a McLaren specific haircut. And you can probably bill it to the team in walking. That's what the corporate <laughs> God li- gu- guidelines Why under. bill
0: it to your team when your f- <laughs> uh, teammate can just do it for free?
1: Right? Well, absolutely. And I'll tell you what else worked. McLaren talking to Formula One about their cars being missed on the broadcast feed. We actually saw Carlos Sainz overtake a car on the live race feed. And we didn't really have to wait a few days later to see it on social media.
0: Yeah, but Kunal, it seems like McLaren forgot to speak to, you know, the the podium department of Formula One, (laughs) because we literally missed colour signs on the podium. I mean, I guess everyone knew that Lewis Hamilton was going to be penalised. In fact, Lewis Hamilton knew it himself.
1: Yes, he was pretty honest. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and if only the FIA had been quicker, because it would have been such a street... To see signs on the podium, his first podium ever, uh, sharing it with Gasly, who was also celebrating his first ever podium.
1: You know, but the perks of not being on the official podium was that the entire McLaren team joined signs on the podium after the result was made official, and. That probably went more viral than what people on television would have seen, you know. That
0: is actually true. And you know what I really loved? I loved seeing Na- Lando Norris up there. And he was also celebrating. Kunal, it was actually also uh, Norris's first podium, technically.
1: <laughs> yeah, well. <for> Since <laughs> we're pulling this. Yes.
0: And he was holding Science's champagne bottle. It was such a cute scene, actually.
1: Yes, the cute pairing of Formula One. Cute and fast and funny and all of that. But...
0: They should be on our podcast together.
1: Yeah. Okay, yes. They have lo- the same
0: dynamic as us, you know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Fun
0: and funny.
1: Okay. Can we move on? Yes. No. I <laughs> Jerome is waiting to be on the show. I think it's time to move on. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Last question. Do you think the Netflix show is going to make an exciting episode uh, or an episode more exciting than the Brazilian Grand Prix was? I think that is going to be a challenge.
1: That is definitely going to be a challenge. You know, a good Formula 1 season probably works against good viewership for the Netflix F1 show. At least that's my hypothesis. Um, But I think on the Netflix show, I would love to see a Carlos... Uh, lando bromance episode and all the fun that they keep doing time and again that. <laughs> yeah. but moving on i must say that formula one absolutely played with our emotions in brazil and for for the first time or for the rarest of times they played with our emotions in the correct way that's what i really liked yeah. and uh, i also think that the result in brazil had some karmic connection somewhere so Carlos Sainz Jr. and Pierre Gasly, two drivers who were overlooked by Red Bull Racing in favour of Max Verstappen, scored their first podiums in Formula 1 together. With Max Verstappen also on the podium.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We've literally not spoken anything about Verstappen. uh, Despite him being the race winner. Anyway, speaking of karma. Guys, we're not going to discuss Sebastian Vettel's karma. Or whatever may be of it tonight. Not tonight. Um, Tomorrow night. Yes, yes, maybe tomorrow. I'd rather tonight be about Jerome. He's one of the four drivers who's raced in every single Formula E E E-Pri till date. And guys, he started his second season with Mahindra Racing. Uh, It's going to start in a few days, actually.
1: Yes, I would like to thank Haley from Mahindra Racing for helping coordinate Jerome and Pascal Verline's presence on our podcast. We will have Pascal on our show tomorrow. For now, Jerome, a big welcome to you to the Inside Line F1 podcast. I can tell you we've got our millions of listeners waiting to hear from you just before you start your second season with Mahindra Racing. And a big welcome, even though it's virtual, you know, we are thrilled to have you on our show. Uh, the new season is a few days away. You're starting your second season with Mahindra Racing. Are you able to shed some light on your preparations and the key learnings from the pre-season test?
2: Well, um, preparations have been going on fairly well. Um, we keep on learning every, uh, every day, every time we get on track, every time we get on the simulator. Um, so it's, you know, it's really difficult to, to know where we will be compared to the others in Riyadh, but we're definitely putting all the efforts we can in and we think we have a good car, so should be able to fight at the front. Um, in terms of learnings, uh, as I said, we've learned a few things from last year. We tried to learn from the reasons why we we're not able to perform towards the end of the season as well as we did in the beginning. Um, uh, we believe we've addressed, uh, those points and, uh, and, and the main thing I think in the end that you can conclude from these tests and everything is how tight the field is so it's really too, uh, too early to say anything let's see what happens in Riyadh and we'll see there but uh, the competition is going to be fierce and, and tighter than last year.
0: Wow, Kunal, that was so interesting. And you know, uh, across all the Formula E interviews that we've been doing before, and also with uh, Porsche's Neil Jani's uh, the interview that we did with him a few days ago, I think the common theme that keeps coming up is that the grid is super competitive and also oh close.
1: Absolutely, eight winners in the, in the first eight races of last season, and that's stuff that motorsport series around the world would just dream about. And Formula One in Formula E, sorry, it's a reality. And I really wonder what it's going to be like this season because, you know, we have um, Mercedes, of course, as we know, who's entered and Porsche as well. But I am really proud of what Mahindra Racing are doing. And I have been doing time and again uh, against some of the biggest names in the automotive and motorsport history.
0: Yeah, I mean, kudos to the team for everything they've achieved till date. Uh, Mahindra Racing's biggest issue actually has been sustaining a championship challenge. Uh, we've seen them start the season really well and very strongly, and then they seem to just fade away towards the middle and the end. Um, why do you think this happens, Jerome? And how are you and the team going to fix that trend this season?
2: I think part of the of the reasons for that I think is um, perhaps the way we were structured. I think is you know we're we're fighting against big guys, big names. Um, teams informally e are getting more and more professional every year, and I think that the move of bringing everything in house makes a lot of sense. And I think that's something that will help uh, the whole team to maintain performance and maintain rate of development throughout the season. There's a lot of travel at one point through the season when we come back to Europe. Uh, the races are you know one after the other and. Uh, And being able to regroup in the same spot, in the same place, in the same office, um, it's, uh, I believe, will hopefully make a difference.
1: You know, the ability to remain in the championship challenge is the one single ask from all Mahindra Racing fans across all the forums that, you know, we keep tracking on motorsport. And I really hope that this is possible this season. And, you know, there's a difference between the two. It's not about... Fans wanting uh, you to win the championship. They want you to be in the championship fight. And just being in the championship fight is, is probably more joyful for everyone to see. But on that note, what are your and the team's goals for the 2019-20 Formula E season?
2: Well, I think both goals are aligned, you know. It's, uh, it's not well, my personal goal. I want to fight for the championship. And I think it's the same goal for the teams. So, you've got two drivers, obviously, that will want to fight for the championship. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's nothing less than that. We've, we know we can do it. Uh, we've, I think we have a good car. So we need to, it's a matter of working hard enough for it and uh, hopefully putting things together. Having said that, obviously, it's fierce competition out there, some big names. But we've proven in the past that uh, on occasions we've been able to beat them. Um, now we need to try to do it more regularly.
0: I remember how you and Mahindra Racing led the championship for quite some time last season. Uh, You know, honestly, I really hope that's what we're all saying when the last E-Prix at the end of the season comes around. That would be nice.
1: You know but I have a technical question to ask because Formula E is different technology, is newer technology. And we know that... You know, Formula E races in a condensed racing format. Everything literally starts and ends in one day, which means that for a driver, there is limited track time when it comes to racing in Formula E. How much do teams and drivers rely on simulator sessions to prepare for a race?
2: Well, obviously, simulator is a big part of uh, of um, of Formula E. You have limited track. It's a big part of motorsport in, in general, but Formula E, because of the energy management of things, we spend a tremendous amount of days in the sim to try to figure things out, make sure that we're as prepared as we can. It's not really on the car setup, but it's really on the energy management. And this is an ongoing work that uh, that never stops.
0: Energy management. So that's always the key in Formula E races. And guys, for this season, the series will deduct energy for time spent under the safety car or in the case of a full-course yellow.
1: Now, honestly, I would have preferred to not have this rule. Because I think we will be robbed of a sprint, you know, in in the race once the safety car or the full course yellow is called off. And the focus will go back to being fully on energy management. And uh, we'll explain this later in probably tomorrow's episode when, you know, we have Pascal back, but... For now, it's just back to you, Jerome.
0: Yeah, so I actually have a very interesting question. Uh, So we know how Lewis Hamilton's go green message was actually met with a lot of controversy uh, because people thought that he's being very hypocritical just because he's racing in Formula One. Uh, So I was actually wondering if Formula E drivers, since they're part of the more sustainable uh, motor racing championship, so to speak, if they're actually expected to live a sustainable life outside the track, the car as well.
2: I don't know if there's uh, an expectation um, or not. I mean, obviously, I don't know what people expect from me, but uh, I think, yes, it would be in a way a bit hypocritical to go out there and, and you know, push for uh, more sustainable development in the automotive industry and, and, and doing that uh, without trying to apply it to your own personal lifestyle. I mean, that doesn't apply only to the automotive industry, but it applies to um way of living. Uh, and and I think of, you know, plastic consumption, for sure, water usage, electricity usage. I do have uh, a small electric car at home that I use when I'm uh, when I'm uh, in Monaco because it's more convenient. It doesn't make sense to do anything. I also do have, uh, to be honest, the uh, counterbalance of that, of some classic cars and, and old, old school things. But they're used on, on, on on occasions, not on daily basis, and uh, on daily basis, I try really to to really have a, have a positive, positive impact in, in in what I do, and then other projects or other things, anything I get involved with, I, I like for it to have um, an impact, uh, an impact to it.
0: Oh wow! I'd love to see your collection of classic cars,
1: and I'd love to have a go in your Mahindra Racing Formula E car someday. It looks so cool.
0: Very opportunistic of you, Kunal. Of course. <laughs>
1: I'm going to lay it down. Anyway, there is Go Green, Go Vegan and all sorts of terms that we keep hearing time and again. But I think that uh, like every other business, Formula E things go big. They're expanding the number of manufacturers, they're going to newer venues and whatnot. But in your view, Jerome, what does Formula E need to do to continue growing as a
2: championship? I think we, we need to make sure we keep... Um we remember what makes Formula E so successful uh, and makes Formula E so successful and growing so fast. Um, I think there's a combination of different things. It's the core I, the DNA of the championship. Um, we're close to fans, we're reaching to people, we're accessible. Um, I think also in maintaining the right amount of development on the car, on the areas that are relevant to manufacturers, um, that will continue to attract them, uh, so, which means we need to contain the costs. Uh, and, and, and that's an important thing. And it's not easy when manufacturers are all in because at one point, then it, it's becoming a war of development and so on. And that's fine until the development is relevant to a road car. Uh, we don't want to get into a, an area where you start developing on aero and stuff like that because that, that's not that's not the point. Um, yeah, I mean, all these little details and, and keeping the core values and then just... Hopefully it will it will keep on growing, but uh, but but yeah, I think that we've made a tremendous uh, we've made tremendous progress in a short period of time, and in those fast you know in that that motion and, and that those fast um, changes, it's it's important to to remember where where you're coming from and why actually people liked you in the first place.
0: Thanks, Jerome. That's a very interesting perspective. I think it's so important to not forget where we come from and, you know, why people like us.
1: And I really like the fact that, uh, you know, along with being sustainable, Formula E wants to be affordable as well. Because, you know, lots of other motorsport series want to sort of be seen as exclusive and the ones that you can't afford and so on. So hats off to Formula E for literally trying to change the, the landscape of motorsport. And the one big thing about the landscape that I love about Formula E is that it, you know, it takes motorsport to the masses. And I think accessibility is so important because, you know, each time we go to spa, and we've gone to spa literally twice in the last two years or whatever, once every year, we know what it takes to get to the circuit and get out of the circuit. And in this case, in Formula E's case, the racing cars are right in the city.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, what I really like about Formula E is the absolute unpredictability. You know, there's like no saying who will be anywhere at any point in the championship. Always wide open.
1: Yeah, I remember till the middle of last season, we had Jerome, you know, in and out of the championship lead and Jean-Éric 1 was literally nowhere and then he just had a few consistent finishes towards the end and he clinched the championship.
0: Yeah, it's like having a Brazilian Grand Prix every race. Can you imagine <laughs> that?
1: On that note, we really <laughs> hope that Jerome, you are able to sustain a championship challenge with Mahindra Racing. You have laid out your goals and here's wishing you all the best from all our listeners, you know, for your season ahead. So thank you so much for being on our show. And here's also a big thanks to several of our listeners who sent in questions for us to ask Jerome.
0: Yeah, and guys, I hope you'll understand why we can't have all questions answered. Uh, A lot of y'all had some really good ones, but... um next time and also final word of thanks uh, to Hugh for his kind words to Kunal on missing out on Neil Jani's podcast episode Uh, we love that you care about us so much so thank you for that
1: yes uh, Hugh thanks it was really wonderful to hear your voice note on our Facebook page and on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in we will see you tomorrow night when we have Pascal Verline on our show remember to tune back in Adios. adios